It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. It is great to be with you on a Thursday. We are less than 72 hours away from Bengals Steelers at Paul Brown Stadium. I will be there. We'll be covering the game with Locked On Bengals and LockedOnBengals.com. I'll be writing after the game, and we'll have a post-game podcast right here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. As always, you can subscribe to this daily podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcast. I'm James Erpine. I cover the Bengals for ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati, and it is great to be with you today. On Twitter, at James Erpine, at Locked on Bengals. There's a lot right now at LockedOnBengals.com, and, and, and I mean a lot. Um, let's start with... Steeler Week and It Mattering More. That was written by Jeffrey Carr, and he writes it from a fan perspective. I thought it was really well done. That up at LockedOnBengals.com. Andy Dalton mic'd up against the Dolphins. A video of that at LockedOnBengals.com. Joel Chandler checks in with an injury expert. That at LockedOnBengals.com. So there's a ton. I mean, there's there's a ton there. Jeffrey Carr wrote about uh, the last time the Bengals beat the Steelers. And uh, just so much more. Plus, if you want to relive that comeback against the Dolphins, Russ Heltman's got you covered there as well. So there's a ton at LockedOnBengals.com. But I want to start today with this, and I'm going to give you my prediction today. You're going to hear from John Ledyard coming up, host of the Locked On Draft podcast. He wrote a really good article uh, for the Draft Network on Jesse Bates. I I talked to him about that, Bengals, Steelers, and so much more coming up. But first, I want to start with the guy who's been the Bengals' best pass rusher. Through the first six weeks. And it's really close. Is it Geno Atkins? Is it Carlos Dunlap? I think it's close. I think both guys have played very well. I think it's Geno. And on a podcast that I listen to all the time, and shout out to Dan Horton and Dave Lapham, the Bengals Booth podcast, Dan asked Lap if Geno Atkins is having his best season so far at the age of 30. And Lap does a good job not only of giving you a clear answer, but he also finds a way to mix in Dunlap, which is perfect. This is a good way to talk about both Atkins and Dunlap. First, Lap thinks that this is the best season so far for Geno Atkins. I think he is. I think Geno Atkins, it's admirable because you look at what the New York Giants did. They paid Odell Beckham Jr. a ton of money, and look what he's doing. He's mouthing off because he's going to get paid. He's got his guaranteed money. So instead of just paying back by his actions on the football field, he's causing them all kinds of grief and headaches with his crap that he's doing in the locker room. As we all know, Geno Atkins doesn't say crap if he has a mouthful of it. <laughs> so Geno's just, he's paying them back with his play on the football field. Geno is, is, is a snap-by-snap wrecker. He is a, a game plan destroyer. He's, he's impacting the run game. Uh, his pass rush is incredible. T.J. Watt has six sacks, but he's got two three-sack games. Gino, every single game, you know, he has, he has you know, two sacks, but he doesn't have a three-sack game where he's working against a fish. 
a guy that can't block him at all. He, he is getting it done on a snap-by-snap basis, tackle for loss in the running game, you know, pushing the pocket in the pass game. He is playing unbelievable football. So he's saying, it's my responsibility. They took care of me. They took care of their own. i got to take care of them. Carlos Dunlap's doing the same thing. Both of those guys are earning their contracts by their play on the football field and not shenanigans off the football field. I think that's a really good point by Dave Lapham. Think about the players on this team. Like, when you think Bengals, who do you think of right now? Andy Dalton, pro's pro. A.J. Green, pro's pro. No shenanigans off the field. No drama, zero zilcho. Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, William Jackson. How much do you even know about those players? Think about that. We're going to talk to John Ledyard in a bit. They drafted Jesse Bates, Billy Price, Sam Hubbard, Jordan Willis, Carl Lawson. They're all super into football. They they have other interests. Yeah, absolutely. But they're super into football. They're level-headed, and they're not, you know, they're not. There's a difference. You could tell the difference with having an Adam Jones in your locker room and not. Like, the craziest guy in the locker room right now is who? Vontaze? Well, he's great, so that's why he's still here. So, to me, it's it's interesting, the pattern of guys. Even John Ross, and I, I he practiced today, by the way, which is good news. Really good dude. Not like he's just distraction in the locker room or anything like that. Really good dude. When things have gotten bad, he didn't feel sorry for himself. He didn't. I talked to him uh, yesterday, by the way, in the Bengals locker room. He's picking up Call of Duty. How many of you guys are picking up Call of Duty? You're a lot like John Ross. He said he got it. Uh, I think. Does it come out today? I think it comes out today. He said he's getting it today. So, yeah. See, how about that? He plays Fortnite and Call of Duty. A lot of people do that. But that's what a lot of these Bengals do. That's what Vontez does on a regular basis. That dude plays Fortnite. He's not out here getting in trouble or anything like that. This this Bengals organization, the guys they've invested in, and it starts at the top, and it starts with the leadership that Gino and those guys have, but it's also the guys the Bengals have drafted. And, and once upon a time they were known for drafting bad dudes, they draft a lot of good ones. And right now Gino Atkins and Carlos Dunlap are playing really, really well. Speaking of Carlos Dunlap, here he is on the roughing the passer calls and how hard it's going to be to tackle Ben Roethlisberger on Sunday. You know, anytime you're trying to tackle a 300-pound quarterback, um, it's, it's going to be pretty difficult. But, you know, our mentality is, you know, get to the quarterback. And once you get to him now with the rules, try to get him down within the rules. You know, anytime you play Ben, Cam, any of these bigger quarterbacks, um, they're tough to bring down. You subtly dropped a 300-pound reference to Ben. Do you think he's really three bills? With those, with the equipment and, you know, his rib cage and all the other stuff that he has on, you know, sweat, whatever, uh, I'm pretty sure he gets pretty close. Isn't that hilarious? In the, the, <laughs> the funny thing is, is Carlos Dunlap is dead serious. He's not joking. He's not. He said that yesterday in the locker room with a straight face. Anytime you're trying to tackle a 300-pound quarterback, it's going to be tough. And he knew instead of saying 280 or 275 that there would be a certain reaction. But I love this because it is close. I bet you Big Ben, with all of that stuff, all those pads and things, weighs minimum 280. Minimum. Minimum. I don't want to hear anything. Think about it like this. When Vontez Burfecht tackles Ben Roethlisberger, isn't Ben just as thick as Burfecht, if not thicker? The answer is yes. He's also taller. Okay. Burfecht weighed in at 251 last week. 
Ben's taller, just as thick, if not thicker, and probably not in as good of shape. That was an in-shape Vontez perfect weight in a 251. So I bet you Ben minimum weighs 270. Telling me those pounds, those pads don't add up that, that with the helmet and shoulder pads aren't a couple pounds a piece? Of course they are. Of course they are. The rib protector, shoes, my uh, shoes in general. I'm wearing Converse right now. They weigh a pound. I bet Ben weighs at least 280 with that stuff on. 280. You guys are like, I don't give a damn what he weighs. Just, t- just sack him. Just sack him. Man. Uh, <laughs> John Ledyard coming up in a few minutes here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'll, I'll also give you my prediction for Sunday. I'm a whopping 2-3 and three on the year right now predicting the Bengals games. Week one, I said they'd win. They won. Week two, I said they'd lose. They won. Week three, I said they'd win. They lost. Week four, I said they'd lose. They won. Week five, I said they'd win. They did. Barely. I'm a whopping two and three. I'm trying to even my record up. I will do that as we roll on. But first, a word from the official brewery of the Locked On Bengals podcast, Wiedemann Brewery is where it's at. I was there on Saturday afternoon. They had an awesome car show. And if you follow me on Twitter, I tweeted out a picture. Their Belgian blonde ale is one of my favorite. It might be my, it's my favorite uh, right now. It might be one of my favorite beers ever. I mean, it is up there. I probably had like five of those bad boys. Five of them. They have an Oktoberfest beer out now. They have a ton of different options And now that the fall-like weather is finally here, and if you live in Cincinnati, it happened today, the George Wiedemann Brewing Company is featuring some of the best brews out there. Perfect for cool nights and tailgating, including the Wake Me Up Hazelnut Coffee Milk Stout, which is rich, creamy. They have the Lost Hand IPA, good for all you hopheads out there, the Royal Amber, which is one of my favorites. It's their flagship brew that was judged to be the best beer in the country in the 1970s. Enjoy them and many more. The Wiedemann Brewery in downtown St. Bernard or ask for them on tap at your favorite local tavern. Speaking of cool things to do, Wiedemann's inaugural Fall Fest Music and Craft Beer Festival is almost here. Make plans now. It is next weekend. It starts Friday, October 19th through Sunday evening, October 21st. I promise you I will be there, and uh, I'll be enjoying a a couple cold ones myself. The festival is going to feature plenty of awesome music. You're you're talking about rock and roll. They're going to have a piano. They're going to have the tastiest craft beers in town from Wiedemann and other local guest breweries. So you could try a bunch of different beers, not just Wiedemann. And it's held in Wiedemann's tree-lined beer garden along the historic Miami and Erie Canal bed. It's perfect. It's right next to their deck at at the Wiedemann Brewery. I spent some time out there. Uh, Music headliners are going to include Warsaw, the Warsaw Falcons with Ricky Nye, Cheryl Renee, the goddess of the blues, the Jim Burns Band, and nothing but treble. In addition to more than a dozen brewed on-site Wiedemann beers, guest brews from Listerman, Brink, Fretboard, Municipal, and Wooden Cask, will also be on tap. If you get hungry, let's be honest, we're all going to get hungry. There's going to be vendors there. On top of the awesome food that Wiedemann offers, there's going to be food from a bunch of different places, including the award-winning Lubecker, a purveyor of authentic, made-from-scratch German classics 
that are coming off its second consecutive Best of Fest appearance in the Cincinnati Oktoberfest. you got to try the schnitzel and red cabbage. Enjoy fine craft beers from Wiedemann's, the official sponsor of the Locked on Bengals podcast. Check out all of their special offers, their happy hour deals, and more on their Facebook page. I'm going to be there next weekend. I hope to see you there. For more, go to WiedemannsFineBeer.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back into the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Let's welcome in John Ledyard. He's from the Draft Network, also hosts the Locked On Draft Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. And I caught up with him earlier today on ESPN 1530. You can catch me there every single weekday, noon to one. And if you're out of uh, out of town or anything like that, if you live out of Cincinnati, I know we have a lot of listeners all across the country and uh, in different countries, you can check us out noon to one Eastern time on the iHeartRadio app. But I asked John a simple question because he wrote – about Jesse Bates, uh, which I think we've all been impressed with Jesse Bates. The rookie safety has fared well in his first five games, but he mentioned him as a defensive rookie of the year candidate. And I asked him a very simple question. Why, based on the film, did he think that Bates was a candidate? Yeah, I think anytime you're looking at defensive rookie of the year contenders, James, like it or not, it does start with statistics. Uh, That's just how a lot of the the voters on that uh, that award and a lot of those awards uh, make their decisions whether they should or shouldn't make it that way is you know, up for debate. But it's got it. You got to be able to check boxes there. And so far, Bates has done that. He's got two picks. He had a third one go through his hands against Baltimore. So it, statistically, I think he's he's on his way there. And it's not like those were random picks. He's making plays on the ball. And that leads me to the second part of why I think he should be considered, which is I think his traits are just outstanding. You know his. His traits and the fact that he's picked up the game as quickly as he has, uh, the mental processing, his coaching staff at Wake Forest raved about him, how he was an ascending player and got better every year and smarter every year and, um, you know, basically had, I think he was a baseball guy and, and finally got to focus fully on football. And when he did, it just was his ability to pick up and process route combinations and things like that were something that they raved about and one of the reasons why I was high on him. And yeah, the tackling was a big concern, but again, as a guy who was kind of, Still acclimating, getting better at football. I thought that was an area that could improve for him, and it it's been pretty good in Cincinnati. I mean, there's still some issues here and there, but who cares if you're making plays <laughs> on the ball? You know, it's the last line of defense. You know, that's the important thing. And so, his ability to play single high and two high and cover zones, and you know, I mean, some of the plays he's made this season that I detail in the piece were just really outstanding stuff you just rarely see from rookies. So, I don't think he's done. I think you're going to see a guy with uh, that contends at least among rookies. Uh, for the most interceptions in the league, uh, and I think that uh, his ability to bring really a ball hawking presence back to Cincinnati, which they haven't had since Reggie Nelson was a little bit younger there, um, really is is something that's really helped that defense get to the next level. And uh, I think it was one of the big reasons why they're four and one. I hear this about quarterbacks a lot because, you know, like Baker Mayfield, I keep hearing about how oh he looks like he did in college, which is a good sign. 
Is that the same for Jesse Bates? Is he playing the way he did in college? Is it? Is it been like a? I don't want to say seamless transition, but it, does he look like the same guy you watched back in April before the draft? I think so. I mean, but I think even better in some ways. You know, I think at Wake Forest he was used a little more in, in a versatile fashion, which hurt him on tape. I think because I, I think one of the knocks on him he's not really a super versatile player. He didn't have a lot of man coverage. You could tell he was still adjusting to man coverage reps and playing in the slot and stuff like that. And when they played him around the line of scrimmage, he was physical and aggressive, but just too slight of frame, not really a great role for him. So, And you would see him on the back end, too. So you would see him in all kinds of roles, and it kind of muddied things up a little bit, though. It made it harder to see, okay, what's he going to be in the NFL? Is it, what if the team doesn't play him deep? You know, it makes it, his evaluation a little bit trickier. Then he landed in Cincinnati, and as soon as he did, I was like, oh, okay, I know exactly how this is going to go. You know, I know that he's going to be playing deep uh, all the time, and, and I didn't think he would be playing as a rookie, though, just, well, the Bengals don't play rookies as often. I mean, they've changed that a little bit recently, but, um, you know, so I didn't think it would be he would be playing this much, but I think he just impressed them so much that, you know, they were able to even let go of George Iloka and, uh, and really move on to a direction of a player that is much more ball skills oriented. So, I think there's some of that, certainly, of playing like he did at Wake Forest and that being a good thing uh, because he was a good player at Wake Forest. But being able to step into a role that is much better suited for him, and the Bengals have barely asked him to play around the line of scrimmage and barely asked him to play in the slot. He has almost all been a true free safety if you look at his snap breakdown uh, over a pro football focus. So it's been exactly where he should play, exactly where his skills are best used. And because of that, even though I think the traits are really similar from what you saw at Wake Forest, he's been even more effective because he's consistently being in a role, used in a role that's perfect for him. John Ledyard of the Draft Network is with us. John, obviously it's Steelers week. You're very familiar with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It seems at least outside looking in that there's plenty of of drama, which that, that isn't the this isn't the only time that there's been drama surrounding the Steelers. Uh, is it fair to say that things are are unraveling a bit or is this just norm the norm for the Steelers and they're going to turn things around starting Sunday? Yeah, the most dramatic team in the league. For Feels sure. like it. Yeah. Uh, definitely off the field. Um, and it's funny because in the past, that people probably have said that about Cincinnati on the field, that they were the most dramatic team. And we'll see, you know, what this year holds in store for the Bengals. But, you know, I think that it is always funny when these two teams meet. Uh, plenty of, plenty of, uh, is immaturity the right word? Usually on the field in these <laughs> matchups, maybe a little bit less of it this year with some players growing up and some players moving on. But I'm sure we'll still see plenty of nastiness. Um, I think that uh, the Steelers, yes, the unraveling is, is probably fair to say in some capacity, but will it be enough to impact them? You know, they've always kind of played half unraveled. You know, that's kind of just who they are as, a, as an organization, especially the last four or five years under Tomlin. It's just been kind of this half-baked and not really consistent approach. And, um, you know, there's just this whole, the whole, their whole approach has been kind of off, but their talent level is so, superior in a lot of ways, and offensively, you know, they just have so many playmakers. It saved them in a lot of games. Last year, they ran into tons of backup quarterbacks, so uh, that helped them a ton, and, you know, obviously losing Ryan Chase years impacted them pretty drastically, and so, um, you know, there, there are um, definite reasons to be concerned about the Steelers and to see how the doors might come off of this thing, and, and this season could be, you know, a losing season, a 500 season, a non-playoff season. Um, and there are plenty of reasons to think why this team could still win the AFC North because they are talented enough to do so, and 
Cincinnati, although I think Cincinnati is the best team in the in the division, they've had their issues getting past Pittsburgh. It's been this big mental roadblock for them. And the amazing thing is the Steelers have dominated the Bengals but have not really played very well mm-hmm. against Cincinnati uh, pretty much across the board. They've had to come back. They've had to have the Bengals melt down on a number of occasions to, to be able to win the game. So even though the win-loss record of, of late has the Steelers and overwhelming uh, favorites over the Bengals in that way, it's it's really not been indicative of how well the Steelers have played. So it's a fun and entertaining matchup for a lot of reasons. Not necessarily the best played matchup, um, but always close and competitive and nasty and edgy. And something seems to happen at the end of the game all the time uh, to to give a team the advantage and to give a team the win. It never seems like it's settled until the very very end. So it, it's huge for Cincinnati. I think. I mean, this is they're four and one. They get to five and one put the Steelers down to 2-3-1. and one. They already beat Baltimore, and I think they'll beat them again. It's just, and Baltimore lost to the Browns. So, I mean, they, it would give them a stranglehold on the division. But more than anything, it would also show that this seems for real now. The Steelers have been a big, huge hurdle for them, and they need those indications that they've turned a corner. And I think it's a huge, huge game for them. And I think the Steelers view it as a big game, obviously, because mm-hmm. of their record. But I think it's going to carry a lot more weight for Cincinnati. John Ledyard of the Draft Network is with us. You can also catch him on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. John, Ben Roethlisberger, it seems like almost every time this year we talk about Ben's struggles or maybe he's getting too old, and I think that's just the natural um, assumption when we see players in their mid-30s or later struggle for a couple of weeks. One, is he struggling? And two, how is his chemistry with Antonio Brown? Because this has been such a, a big topic. I know they got in sync uh, against Atlanta on Sunday, at least it looked like it based on the numbers. Well, what is this offense like, and how has Ben played through five games? Yeah, he's definitely not played well. I mean, he's had certain points where he's been very good, and then other points where he's been absolutely dreadful. And so it's just been this general inconsistency. If you look over the last couple of seasons, first half of the season, Ben Roethlisberger's been pretty up and down at best, terrible in his worst moments. You remember last year, the Jacksonville game, and you know a couple others, too, that don't stand out as clearly, but uh, to the average fan, but yeah, he's he's not been good for sure this season. Um, you know, he's not been one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league, as some metrics would have you believe either. Uh, but certainly, the the biggest issue is for a lot of the Steelers games this year. He's basically had to be really, really good for them to win. I don't want to say perfect, but pretty close to that uh, because they were behind early in games and they couldn't really establish the run at that point. And so then it became all about Ben, and the defense couldn't get a stop, so the offense couldn't waste a single possession. And he certainly was not up to that standard, which only magnified things. So basically a lot of weight on his shoulders, and he, he struggled through that. And I think that they found some balance last week. Um, not that I care about run-pass balance so much, but Ben's elbow hurting uh, to some degree you know, has probably had some type of effect. Um, and so I think that uh, it's probably wise to take a little bit of weight off him, especially in a game that, the Steelers did kind of control from the outset. So um, I think that that's going to be a key, but it, you get down and early and that defense is so bad, it's probably going to get them down in games early a couple more times this season. You know, if that continues to happen, it's tough to see, you know, Ben still not having to be pretty much a superhero for them to win. So I definitely think he'll improve as the season's gone on. What goes on. Uh, I think the best thing is that physically there's really no decline. You know, it's not people say, Oh, he's getting older. He's losing it. I don't really think that has anything to do with it. Ben's pretty much not played well uh, or played average at best or just been up and down. Really good game, really, really bad game. And, you know, people always respond stronger to negative. It's been like that kind of a thing for him 
for a couple of years now in the first half of the season. So I don't think it's any type of decline. I just think it's generally speaking who he is as a quarterback. And, you know, there's always been some inconsistency and rarely has it been the result of any logical conclusion. It's just completely random. It has less to do with the opponent or the scheme or anything else and just more to do with Ben and him getting in a rhythm and being able to find himself as a quarterback. So I think that's affected things with the end Antonio Brown. You know, Brown's open all the time. He's just as dumb. He's not 100% healthy, you know. <laughs> He hasn't really said that, but I know he's not. Uh, but he's still getting open all the time. You know, he looks completely fine, and Ben just hasn't been able to hit him. And last week, uh, second half, they started connecting more. So hopefully that's the case moving forward. You can follow John on Twitter, at Ledyard NFL Draft. Final question for you, John, and you, you've been great with your time. Sam Hubbard is a guy who, local product, went to Muller High School here in Cincinnati, went to Ohio State. The Bengals draft him. He, he grew up as a Bengals fan. And I wasn't really sure, and I don't think many people were sure how much he would contribute. Obviously, the Bengals have a pretty good pass rush. He's come in, and he's done everything from playing uh, defensive tackle. There are times he played three-tech at 260 pounds because uh, they needed him when when they had uh, Ryan Glasgow go down. Where did you have him in your draft? I can't remember. Where did you have him on your draft board? What did you think about him coming out? And I'm not sure how much you've seen of him, but what do you think of him now? Yeah, he was a mid-day two guy for me, I want to say. So somewhere late second to early third round range. He went the third, correct? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I think that that was... Uh, I remember thinking at the time, perfect team, perfect situation for Sam Hubbard to step into because they let go of Chris Smith and let him go and kind of had that void as a who's going to be our interior rusher. You know, it's not really a role Jordan Willis, I thought, projected really well to, um, at least currently. And so who's it going to be? You know, you want Dunlap and Lawson on the edges, probably. Michael Johnson filled that, but he's getting older, and you need kind of another guy for that role, just the modern-day NFL, plus the way Cincinnati wants to play defensively and Marvin Lewis wants to play defensively. It makes a lot of sense. To me, Hubbard's that perfect type of utility guy. You can play him on the edge, and he's not going to kill you. He's an elite run defender. He's super smart. He's hardworking physically. He's able to hold up inside. You almost never see him get pushed around. Ohio State played him inside a lot. Uh, they, he had a, a lot of pass rush moves. He's not the best athlete or the bendiest guy off the edge. So, honestly, being able to be an interior nickel rusher is probably the best role for him. I think he's been exactly what I hoped he would be coming out of Ohio State, used in the perfect role, again, similar to Bates, uh, and, and exactly the way Cincinnati needs him and exactly what fits his skill set, uh, too, to be able to be kind of a rotational piece. And, you know, if he were playing on the edge full-time, I think that you wouldn't see great production from him necessarily year-to-year, but very good run defender. Um, he would be able to do a lot of things to help your team, but I think being able to rush him from the inside, play him on the outside situationally, you know, have him rotate in with guys, keep people fresh, and not have to have the nose tackles and stuff play all those snaps has been huge for Cincinnati, and he's able to hold up in the run game as well. So uh, I think it's been a great fit uh, for them, and uh, he's a hustler too and a high-character guy, and I think will grow into a real leader there. And so uh, I think that that's all good stuff for them, stuff that they need with I know they signed Dunlap again, but with him getting older and some of those other guys getting older, um, you need guys like that who are going to grow into that kind of a role. And I think he and Lawson both fit that type of player that'll be that kind of guy. Jordan Wills, too. So, you know, they're deep and talented along the defensive line. And that is really, other than quarterback, the one area you really want to be loaded at in today's NFL. And the Bengals certainly check that box. Yeah, I think Bengals fans are just so excited to see rookies getting significant playing time. <laughs> You know, I mean, Jesse Bates and Sam Hubbard. Yeah, they're. Get, I mean, they're making an impact right away. It's only been five yeah. weeks. 
So. It's almost like other guys could have done that if they'd I, been able to play that early. <laughs> yeah, hey, don't remind us. Don't remind us, John. Uh, I appreciate the time, as always. Keep up the good work at uh, the Draft Network and obviously on the Locked On Draft Podcast, man. I appreciate the time. Awesome. Thanks, James. Appreciate you having me. Good stuff there from John Ledyard. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ledyard NFL Draft. He joined me earlier today on ESPN 1530. And is it time? Oh, man. I think it's time. It is time for this week's Bengals prediction. Let's hit the music and let's dive into it here. Look, it's Bengals, it's Steelers. The Steelers have won six straight. And I get it. You desperately need to want to hope to beat dreaded Pittsburgh. I mean, my God, there are two wins. They couldn't even beat Cleveland. Couldn't even beat Cleveland. They had to tie Cleveland. They beat Tampa Bay and Atlanta at home. Atlanta on the road is a completely different team. Going to Atlanta versus playing them in Pittsburgh is completely different. I get it. I understand it. But here's the thing. Andy Dalton has struggled against Big Ben and the Steelers. He's struggled against that defense. He's completed less than 60% of his passes against the Steelers in their last four matchups. Think about that. Last year, 58%, 56%, 59%, His two best games against the Steelers were in 2014, lost both. One was that 42-21 loss where they were in it and then the Steelers scored 25 points in the fourth quarter to pull away. And then they lost 27-17. He has only completed 60% of his passes against them or more four times. And he hasn't done it since 2015. I think... If the Bengals win Sunday, it's going to be because of Andy Dalton. It's going to be because when the doubt creeps in and there's going to be a moment when Pittsburgh punches the Bengals in the face, they might take the lead, they might have a pick six, they might have a lead late in the fourth quarter, where Andy Dalton has to decide what he wants to be. Is he going to make the play or is he not going to make the play? In December, he didn't make the play. Now, I will say this. The last four games... Four matchups since the 2015 playoff game. That one they should have won, but since then, and Andy obviously wasn't playing then, but since then, Andy hasn't had the more talented team. The Steelers have been more talented. I don't think that'll be the case Sunday. I think the Bengals are just as talented. I think they might be a little more talented. So now it comes down to 14. What can Andy Dalton do? If Andy Dalton plays well, then they're going to win. If not, they won't. He's never thrown three touchdown passes against the Steelers. Never. The most he's thrown in a season against them is four. And that was last year and in 2014. Think about that. That is just, those are staggering numbers. He has 17 touchdowns and 13 picks against them. He's completing 58% of his passes against them. He has a 3-11 record. His quarterback rating is 77 against them. It's just bad, 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 bad. So, it's an opportunity. If Andy Dalton plays well, if Andy Dalton answers the bell, the Bengals are going to win Sunday. Really good analysis by me, but I, I I truly believe that. The Bengals aren't going to lose a shootout. Andy throws for three touchdowns, has a 100, 110, 120 quarterback rating. They're going to win. If he makes the right decisions, if he does, if he plays the way he's played through five weeks, they will win Sunday. But I'm putting a lot of pressure on Andy Dalton because I think he's the deciding factor. And unfortunately, the numbers speak for themselves. 
You might say, James, you're letting the past dictate how you're predicting this game. Yes. Well, Andy has a chance to prove me wrong. He's a chance to prove the world wrong. He has a chance to prove anybody that doubts him wrong. And that includes me. This is a get over the hump game. Not only for the Bengals, not only for Marvin Lewis, not only for the 2018 edition, but for Andy Dalton. Can he get it done? I say no. I got the Steelers. I think they find a way. I think they get right back in the division hunt and Bengals fans start to panic a little bit when they drop the 4-2 and two with a, a road game coming up in primetime against Kansas City. Give me the Steelers, and I'll say it'll be 24-20. to 20. That one play, those two plays, there's going to be a lot of plays that you look back at at this game and think, oh, if they could have just... But they're not going to. And it's going to suck, and it's going to suck doing the post-game podcast, and it's going to really stink when I'm writing about the game and observations about the game at LockedOnBengals.com, but that's just how I feel. I haven't wavered, and like you, I've, I've thought about this game a ton this week. Go ahead and bet against Ben. Go ahead and bet on Marvin and Andy. Andy has not played well against this team. Ever. Ever. And if that's the case, and it clearly is, why would I think he's going to suddenly play better now? Do I hope he does? Yes, because if so, I think it's really a turn-the-page game. Like John said, it's really would establish this Bengals team in the AFC North and put them ahead of everyone else, far and above everybody else in the AFC North. Huge game. I have the Steelers 24-20. That's going to do it for me. I'm James Erpine. Thanks so much for listening today. As always, subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever. You get your podcast, including LockedOnBengals.com. By the way, a quick uh, injury update. John Ross practiced today. So did Clint Bowling. So hopefully that's a good sign. They need both. They need Ross out there. No doubt about it. You want Andy to play well, you need someone who can stretch the field. Ross can do that. Huge. Even if he doesn't have a lot of catches, they need him out there. I told him as much yesterday in the Bengals locker room. Check out Wiedemann's Fine Beer if you haven't yet. It's really good. You need to go there. Make some time. It's on Vine Street. It's 10 minutes from downtown. Check it out. Until next time, I'm James Rapine. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Back at it Sunday after Bengals Steelers. Right here on the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.